Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. In the previous episode in this series on the Olivet Prophecy, we discussed Matthew 24, verse 14, where Jesus talked about the true gospel being preached in the end time. Immediately after talking about this, Jesus transitioned to another topic, the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Now, the Great Tribulation is the prophetic period of three and a half years that precedes Christ's return. Jesus described it as unequivocally the worst time in all of human history. In verses 21 and 22, he described that time like this, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved." but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. But before he explained this about the Great Tribulation, he discussed an event that will warn his people that the Great Tribulation is about to begin. It's a very important event. Here's what Jesus said about it in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 16. He said, quote, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. You can also see Daniel 11 verse 31 to read a little more about what Daniel said about this. Then a few verses down, he said there will be great tribulation following this event. So what exactly did Jesus mean by this abomination of desolation? It's an interesting and somewhat complex subject. Studying it reveals that this event actually has happened more than once in history and will happen again one more time in the future. Historically, the abomination of desolation referred to a tragic period in Jewish history during the time between the Old and New Testaments, known in history as the intertestamental period. During this time, Jerusalem was under the control of the Greeks, specifically the Greek Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes was not a good king. To make the long story short, in 167 BC, he banned all animal sacrifices in Jerusalem at the temple and in their place set up an image of a pagan Greek god, actually the god Zeus, right there in the Jerusalem temple. This was truly, to the Jewish people and to Israelites, an abomination. And it's historically called the abomination of desolation. Now, this occurred about 200 years before Jesus Christ came on the scene as a human being and gave this prophecy. So it can seem confusing that Jesus spoke of a historical event in the future tense. Again, he said in the Olivet Prophecy, when you see the abomination of desolation. So how do we understand this? Well, this topic is an example of a prophecy with multiple fulfillments. Sometimes we call that a dual prophecy because these type of prophecies usually have two fulfillments, an initial fulfillment and then a final fulfillment. This is actually a prophecy with three fulfillments. In the case of the abomination of desolation, the first fulfillment took place in 167 BC. And then a second fulfillment took place in AD 70 when the Romans like the Greeks, ended sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem and desecrated and ultimately destroyed the Jerusalem temple. But Jesus was clearly talking about an event that would occur even farther into the future, long past 70 AD, because he was talking in the context of the Great Tribulation in the end times. 
The prophet Daniel also placed the same event, the abomination of desolation, in the end times. Daniel 12 verse 11 says, that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away happens in an end time context. So that shows us that there is still one more fulfillment of this prophecy, the abomination of desolation, to come in the future, in the end time. So students of Bible prophecy watch for a third abomination of desolation in Jerusalem. Now, for that to happen, animal sacrifices have to be resumed because the prophecy says that animal sacrifices will be cut off, will be stopped forcibly. There have not been animal sacrifices in Jerusalem since 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple. That was 1,950 years ago. But we know from this prophecy that they will happen again. This is actually something to watch, and there are groups in Jerusalem that are pushing for sacrifices to be reinstituted in Jerusalem. So that's something we watch prophetically. So what should we expect to take place? Well, here's a summary. Three and a half years before Jesus returns, a powerful leader from Europe will lead armies into Jerusalem. One thing he will do when he gets there is stop Jewish sacrifices and in its place set up a false religious system. Jesus also warned that we will know that this is all coming to pass when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies. Now, this is a big topic. If you'd like to learn more about this topic of the abomination of desolation, go on our website, lifehopeandtruth.com, and type in the search feature, what is the abomination of desolation, and you'll find a, a fine article that will explain it in more detail. But let's now return to Jesus' words in the Olivet Prophecy and see what he says occurs immediately after the abomination of desolation, because it's very important. It's important for you, and it's important for God's people. Notice what he said in Matthew 24, verses 16 through 20, immediately after his prophecy about the abomination of desolation. He says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Why will people need to flee? Well, the reason is because the abomination of desolation will trigger the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Again, that's that three-and-a-half-year period of the most atrocious warfare and suffering and anguish in all of human history that will immediately precede the return of Jesus Christ. This period of tribulation will be particularly dangerous for the people of God, the church. Many scriptures show that God's people will be the target of extreme persecution when this time happens, and that persecution will actually be fueled by the wrath of Satan himself. The book of Revelation is very clear about that. This is why Jesus warns and commands his people to flee when they see the abomination of desolation to occur. That means they are to leave immediately. They're to go and not look back. That's reminiscent of the story of Lot and his family from the book of Genesis where they were told to flee Sodom before its destruction. You can find that in Genesis chapter 19. Now, naturally, when we talk about this topic, a lot of questions arise. Fleeing? Well, where will God's people flee to? How will they know when to go? How will they get there? What are all the logistics of how this will happen? Well, unfortunately, we don't have all the answers to those questions because God just didn't choose to reveal the details in his scriptures. 
But by studying the history of various deliverances of God's people throughout history, we can see one common theme. He usually delivers his people in a way that no one could have predicted. Think about how God delivered the entire world and the family of Jacob from the worldwide famine in the book towards the end of the book of Genesis. He delivered them by Joseph and all the twists and turns of Joseph's life that led him to the powerful position he had in Egypt, which allowed him to save and deliver the ancient world of that time and the family of Israel. There was no way anybody could have conceived or predicted how God would have provided that deliverance. Think about the other example of the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt. Plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, again, that entire story, there's no way anybody could have predicted all the twists and turns and how God worked it out to deliver his people out of Egypt. The point is, God promises to protect his people in the end time, but how he will do that is impossible to predict. God will likely work that out in a way we couldn't conceive of at this time before it's actually happened. So now let's go back to that prophecy about fleeing. One of the common misunderstandings about this prophecy is the idea that Jesus is describing a rapture of Christians to heaven before the tribulation. The idea is that before the tribulation and all the horror that comes from it begins, Jesus is going to rapture or take his people from this earth, take them up to heaven and protect them in heaven during the tribulation. Now, there are several problems with this idea, but just a close reading of Jesus's words here in the Olivet Prophecy shows that idea is totally incorrect. The rapture doctrine is totally unbiblical. When you read Matthew 24, verses 16 through 20 closely, you'll notice that every example Jesus used shows people leaving where they are and going someplace else on earth, not heaven. Notice the examples he gave. He said, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. If you're raptured to heaven, why would you go to the mountains? The mountains refers to a place here on earth. Then he said, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Well, why would you pack to go to heaven? That doesn't make sense. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Well, why would being pregnant be a concern for a person being raptured to heaven? And then he says, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Why would it matter if a flight to heaven was on the Sabbath? It's obvious that Jesus was describing something completely different from a rapture. Jesus' words in the Olivet Prophecy are perfectly in harmony with the other prophecies in the Bible that show that God's people will be protected from the Great Tribulation someplace on earth. Now, there's a lot more we could say about the rapture. In fact, on Life, Hope, and Truth, we have a few articles on that topic. Just type in rapture in the search feature, and you'll find those articles that will give you more reasons why the rapture idea is incorrect. Now, I want to draw your attention to the 12th chapter of Revelation, because it gives a little more detail about this protection for God's people at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. This section of scripture builds upon what Christ said in Matthew 24. Let's look at Revelation 12, verses 13 through 14. We read, Now when the dragon, that's referring to Satan, saw that he had been cast to earth, he persecuted the woman, that refers to the church, the people of God, the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, 
in the Bible, an eagle is symbolic of God's deliverance, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, a specific place, a specific location, where she is nourished or protected and cared for for a time, times, and a half of time. That's three and a half years from the presence of the serpent, again, Satan. Here, the location where God's people are taken is called her place in the wilderness. Now, the Bible never refers to heaven as a wilderness. Her place and a wilderness is clearly somewhere located on earth. This is the location where, as Revelation 3 verse 10 says, God will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole earth. Now, when we put these words in here in the book of Revelation together with Jesus' words in the Olivet Prophecy, we see that a portion of God's people will flee from their homes, their local areas, after the abomination of desolation and before the Great Tribulation. Now, again, we don't know exactly how God's people will be taken there or where her place will be. We're just not given those details. But we do know two things. Number one, God's people will have to take the initiative to flee from where they are without delay or hesitation when the time becomes obvious. And number two, God will miraculously deliver his people safely to some place of protection. Again, it's not a place that people need to try to figure out where it is or plan the logistics of getting there. God will take care of that when the time is right. Our biggest concern should be trying to be alert, watchful, and spiritually strong before it happens. This is exactly what Jesus told us to do in Luke 21, verse 36. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, before we conclude this episode, I want to go back to Matthew 24, verse 20, and draw your attention to a very interesting point Jesus makes about God's people fleeing in the end times. In Matthew 24, verse 21, he says, Pray that your flight or your escape may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Traveling would obviously be much more difficult in winter, so it makes sense for him to say that we should pray that our fleeing or that our escape or our travel would not occur in the cold wintry weather. But why would he tell us to pray that it not occur on the Sabbath? When he talks about the Sabbath, he's referring to the seventh day of the week, Saturday on modern calendars. The Sabbath is the day God created for people to rest from work and their normal routines and worship God. So praying that we wouldn't have to flee to a place of protection on the Sabbath makes sense. For God's people to genuinely pray about this, Sabbath keeping must be a concern for them. Jesus urging that we pray not to be forced to flee our homes on the Sabbath means that Jesus expected his people would be observing the Sabbath in the end time. Neither Jesus nor his disciples ever taught the abolition of the Sabbath commandment, the fourth commandment. On the contrary, Jesus reinforced the Sabbath and expected that his end time church would be faithfully observing it. I'm Eric Jones. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.